Okay, awesome. I just love our services. It's just a good fellowship family. And uh, so uh, the kids are released right now. The kids, uh, if they'd like to go to their kids' programs, they can be free to go do that. Jane's right over here for the first through six. The littler ones can go here, preschool, kindergarten right there. So you guys can do that. All right, cool. Hey, we're in the gospel or the book of Matthew, and we're in chapter 3, verses 13 through 17, if you want to turn there right now. And uh, I want to begin just pointing out that when Jesus came to us, he did not come to teach us a way uh, or, you know, the, you know, a way to live or how to live. He taught us that he is the way. He is the life. He's the truth. It's not just a teaching, unlike, like, say, Buddha, who taught us the noble eightfold path of life, whatever, or uh, Muhammad, who taught the Islamic traditions, or Confucius or Lao Tzu, who taught us, you know, great things, lots of wisdom about how to live our life. Jesus didn't teach us a way to live. He, he, he taught us that he is the way. We don't follow, we just don't follow the teachings of Jesus. We follow Jesus. Okay, it's, it's a relationship. He's leading, and that's a real thing. We experience him in the moment, in, in our days. And you know, we, we pay attention to his teachings, but it, it, he's the one we follow. In John 14, 6, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That means a true Christian is someone who follows Jesus. Okay, not rocket science, but just, I'm, I got a reason. I'm clarifying this very carefully. A Christian is someone who follows Jesus, not just his teaching. So in 1 John 2, 6, it says, Whoever claims to live in him, Jesus, must walk as Jesus did. Okay, we all clear? Got that? So today we're going to look at one of the very first things Jesus did to obey his Father. Okay, to fulfill his calling and mission. And so he was baptized. We're going to look at baptism today. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John all record uh, how Jesus went to John the Baptist to be baptized. And before he did anything else, this is what he did. Why? Because when Jesus was baptized, he was establishing who he was. He was establishing his true identity. It was a declaration from God through him uh, that, hey, this is, this is God's son. And... Uh, and so when we get baptized, we do the same thing. Same thing happens as we follow him. Just like Jesus, baptism addresses the fundamental question for us of who we are. Okay? Who are you? Do you know? I mean, do you really know? Maybe you were adopted. I don't know. And uh, we, have, we have these questions. And so, and not only do I know, do other people know? And are you really sure about your true identity? When I was born and my parents first held me in their arms and, and looked at this beautiful baby, I'm not sure that's what that was, but, you know, they named me Doug or Douglas. And I'm going, how did they know? How did they, knew, how did they really know who I was? By the way, Doug literally means out of the black waters. Okay, talk about identity crisis. It's like, you know... What do you do with that? At least it was out of and not into. So that's a, I see that as a perk. And, uh, but, you know, who am I really? And uh, is that my real identity? No. Because my true identity is rooted in something much deeper and more real and more eternal. And that identity was sealed. 
and declared when I was baptized. Just a fact. I like when Mike preaches. This is one of his hobby horses. It's who are you in Jesus? Your identity in Jesus, right, Mike? Yeah. He hits it. He's like, and a lot of our struggle, our Christian life, is we're not living who we are. It's learning to live who we are in Jesus. It's, it's all about that. And uh, he wants us to really get a hold of our identity in Christ. Because if you are unsure of who you are in Christ, you're going to get pushed around. You start, and you're going to be constantly questioning yourself. So in baptism, Jesus' is, identity is revealed in a number of ways. And so let's just really take a look. Matthew 3, verses 13 through 17, and this is what it says. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and you come to me? And Jesus replied, Let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. Then John consented. And as soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. And at that moment, heaven was open. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Pretty cool story. So let's look. Let's break this down. There's, there's, there's a few things that happen in Jesus' baptism. To begin with, Jesus' baptism served as a seal of ownership. Verse 17, when Jesus was baptized, the voice from heaven said, this is my son. Not somebody else's son. I mean, he's clearly declared, okay, God the Father is, he belongs to God the Father. It's an ownership thing. And at this moment, God the Father chose to publicly identify his son, Jesus, as my son. You could say, this is Jesus' spiritual birth certificate. You know, think of it that way. Just as most of us have physical birth certificates, baptism is a kind of spiritual birth certificate. And so when we follow Jesus in his steps, a similar thing happens to us. Before we become Christian, we are God's children, but only indirectly. But when we come to Jesus, accept him, are baptized, we are part of the family directly. It's, it's a real thing. It's an experiential thing. And... Uh, um, just like when Henry was baptized. Where's Henry? Oh, yeah, he's back there working. We baptized him a couple weeks ago. He was declaring, you know, seal of ownership. God's his father. It's a new deal, and it becomes a public recognition. And that's just what that happens. This is my son. This is my daughter. That's what happens when we're baptized. And we immediately come under his care, his ownership. Everything is his. It's a new life. Listen to what Paul says in Romans. He says, for you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received a spirit of sonship or daughtership, and by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if you haven't learned this yet, it's important for you to know that the word Abba in the Aramaic literally means like daddy or papa. That intimate reference it's to God the Father, the God of the universe. It just amazes me that we're calling the God who created us Daddy, Papa. And, 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 and no, Abba is not the singing group from the 70s. It's, it's this reference. Okay? And so that's ownership. We become under his care. We're his child. And uh, we have that relationship. Now, consider this. When we're born, we're not only come under his ownership, but we're born into a family. That's, that's another part of this. Baptism signifies we are members of the family of God and, and, and it notifies the rest of the family. Our initiation to the family of God, if our initiation to the family of God 
were a private thing, just between me and God, the rest of the family wouldn't know. How does the rest of the family know? How do we know? Well, baptism is how it's declared. Uh, That's why there needs to be a visible rite of passage. So it's not just a declaration between God and me. It's kind of a declaration to the world and to the body of Christ. So baptism is not a private thing. It's not just this quiet thing we do quietly. It's, It's a way of saying, hey, I belong to Jesus now. It's a seal of ownership. That's why in the, in the very first day of the church, 3,000 people were baptized. 3,000 people did not quietly bow their heads and raise their hand. 3,000 people did not, you know, uh, fill out an application. <laughs> 3,000 people did not attend a class. 3,000 people did not even come forward to the altar for prayer. 3,000 people got baptized. It was the thing they did to declare the belonging to God, God's seal of ownership on us. And baptism is the official act by which our identity in Christ is declared, and that's how we know. And baptism then affirms that family relationship well. How many of you have heard the saying, you know, you can choose your friends, but you can't choose your relatives? You all know that? Well, Unfortunately, that's true of the church, too. When I come to Jesus, okay, I become a part of the family of God. So when you get baptized, you get us. We get each other. That could actually be a deterrent, you know. Do do I really want to become a part of these crazy people? But that's just it. We're all crazy people. We're part of the family, and it is what it is. And see, you and I could not be one as a family, We weren't first one in Christ. That's what binds us together in spite of our quirks and our idiosyncrasies and our hang-ups and our flaws. We are one in Christ. In Galatians, uh, and this crosses all categories and boundaries. In Galatians 3, it says, For all of you who are baptized into Christ Jesus have clothed yourself with Christ because there is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female. You are all one in Christ. And so it doesn't matter. There's no divisions, racial, gender, otherwise, in the body of Christ because we're one in Christ. And again, the, the Christian life's not a private thing. Your status as a son or daughter of God gets declared by God and, and to everybody else when we get baptized. Okay? And so uh, this, the second thing that baptism does, it serves as a stamp of approval. And I like this one. Because back in verse 17, it gives a voice from heaven said, This is my son whom I love. Look what it says. With him I am well pleased. At baptism, God the Father declared the approval of his son. And you see, we need more than just Jesus' credentials. We need to know that God loves his son and approves of him. And, uh, and, And that's what we learn here, that God fully approved his son and was supporting him. And at Jesus, and at baptism, the same thing happens to us. We receive God's approval. Now, Jesus was perfect. We're not. But that's the gospel. Jesus died on the cross to wash away our sins. And at baptism, we declare that forgiveness, that clean slate. And God, when we're baptized, we are accepted and approved and liked by God. And baptism is a visual, symbolic representation of that, that God's saying, this is my son, this is my daughter. I'm well pleased with you. And we're going, how can you be pleased with me? We argue with God sometimes on this. God's saying, no, I love you. You're part of my family, and nothing can change that. Nothing can change that. Now, we're not saying that after baptism we stop sinning. 
I'm not saying that after baptism we become perfect people because that definitely, I mean, has anybody had that yet? I mean, I don't think so, okay? It's a, it's a beginning of a process where we grow into Christ. And, uh, but we become new people. And God says, hey, you're okay. When I was in high school, uh, my parents gave me a, a self-help, a very popular self-help book called I'm Okay, You're Okay. Do you remember that? I think they gave it to me to help me with my self-esteem issues from calling me Doug. And, uh, and so it was okay. But again, I, again I'm a, I was a question, I asked a lot of questions. How does this guy know? Here's this guy writing a book, and he says, I'm okay, you're okay. How does he know? Is he the judge? I mean, what, you know? Who can tell you that you're okay? Who can tell me that I'm okay? Well, there is one person who can. God. Jesus. And when we're baptized, it's that stamp of approval. It's that, it's that affirmation of that truth. And, uh, and so we begin a new life. In Romans 6, 3 through 4, it says, Don't you know that all of us who are baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of, Father, through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. And you see, we have God's approval at the very beginning and all along the way into the very end. And we got a lot of growing up to do, but God loves us, accepts us, and approves us. Approves of us. Approves us of us. I can't even say it right. Because of what Jesus did on the cross. He doesn't just tolerate us. He loves us. Okay? Third, the final thing is Jesus' baptism serves as a pledge of allegiance. And in our passage, John the Baptist was very reluctant to baptize Jesus. But Jesus says this. He says, let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. Well, what does he mean, to fulfill all righteousness? Well, if we look back in the Old Testament, you'll find that the priests in the Old Testament were set apart to service to God by being ceremonially washed or baptized. It was part of their their oath, their allegiance to God in the role of being a priest. Furthermore, baptism was a way that the people in Jesus' day would recommit themselves, repledge themselves to God and his commandments. And it was called John's baptism. When John called people to be baptized, they were coming not to become Christians at that point, but to reaffirm their love of the God who gave us the Old Testament and the law. And they says, we're going to follow this God. It was, a, it was a pledge. It was an oath. And so... Just as, and by the way, you can read about that in Exodus 29 and Leviticus 8. And so, well, in baptism, just as God declares his attitude toward us, baptism serves as a way for us to declare our attitude for God. We are declaring to the world our commitment, our intention to serve him and serve him alone by walking away from everything else, cleansing ourselves from everything that's not God, and serving the one true God and him only. And so in this sense, baptism is, a, is an oath or a pledge of allegiance. First Peter 3.21 says this, This water symbolizes baptism that now saves you also, not as a removal of dirt from the body, but as a pledge of a good conscience toward God. The key word there, of course, is pledge. And again, we're kind of making our oath. We're declaring our own intention to serve God. Now, we're not talking about pledge of allegiance. You know, We're talking more like the pledge or oath that a person makes when they cross over from one country 
to another country, where they give up citizenship from one country and become a citizen of a new kingdom. And in baptism, it's very clearly that's what happens. We are forsaking, giving up, denying our old citizenship with the world, and we are declaring that we are now citizens of God's kingdom. And baptism is that crossover point, that public you know, ceremony we do to make that clear. And so baptism is our oath of allegiance to Christ. And, uh, and this is why baptism and repentance go together in the Bible. And, you know, repentance. Our baptism is a de- declaration that we, we were turning from everything and turning to Jesus. That's why in Acts chapter 2, Jesus, or Peter says, repent and be baptized. Repent and be baptized. We're turning from one way of life to another, and it our, shows our commitment to do that. And again, baptism is not the end. It's just the beginning. So who are you in Christ? Do you know? Have you accepted and experienced, you know, that, that sense of becoming his, the ownership piece? Have you experienced the approval, the acceptance at a deep level? And have you at any point in your life, made any kind of public declaration that you are a follower of Jesus. You know? And if you can't do that, then maybe baptism is a step for you. Okay? Maybe you have been baptized. You know, it's, yeah, I've been baptized for a long time. But you know, I, I, I've noticed in my own life, we kind of forget. You know, we forget who owns us. We forget who we belong to. We can forget that God approves of us, likes us. And sometimes we forget our commitment to follow him. And so sometimes we need to renew that. You don't need to get rebaptized, don't worry. But we do need to remind ourselves what that important event meant many years ago. And uh, so sometimes people ask me if baptism is necessary for salvation. How many of you have heard that question? You know, and I tell them, well, you know, I'm not sure baptism is necessary for salvation, but I can tell you one thing. Baptism is necessary to be a follower of Jesus. Why? Because Jesus was baptized. You can't go to Jesus and say, hey, can I skip this step? I mean, that was, if we're going to follow Jesus, we're going to do what Jesus did. And this is just one of those steps. And unfortunately, in this day and age, not everybody teaches it or emphasizes it because there's other ways to have God experiences. But, you know, we're just looking at the Bible here. I'm just, I'm not trying to, just saying what the Bible says and look at the passages. And I just want you to grow in your God experience and your reflection of Jesus. To reflect Jesus, do as Jesus did. It's as simple as that. Finally, Jesus just outrightly commands it. He just outrightly commands it. Let's close. Matthew 28 says this, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. That's our marching orders. And, you know, getting wet, getting dunked, does not do anything for you. Just the act. It's a mean, I mean, there's, and there's no, it's not like you have, you're good because of it. Anybody can get wet. I've had people get baptized, you know, they seem they're ready, and I discover later they were just covering their bases. Or they're just trying to make someone happy. Or they're, I mean, there's all sorts of reasons. Or they're doing it because their brother did it or sister did it. Or they get a prize at VBS. I mean, there's all sorts of things. Or they get to take communion. I mean, there's just a ton of reasons. The water, the act, 
does nothing unless it's coming from your heart as a step to become one of God's children, to fulfill your identity in Christ. And my challenge is you to you is maybe that's your next right step. Amen? Let's all be standing for a closing word of prayer. Lord, I thank you so much for having the wisdom to give us concrete things to do. That this Christian life is not about just principles and ideals and platitudes. Everything you teach gives us something to obey. And of course it starts with baptism, but then it gets serious. And then we have to learn how to love. And then we have to forgive and be kind and speak the truth and do all sorts of other things that are much harder. But it starts, Father, with remembering that you own us, that we belong to you, that you approve of us and have forgiven us and and that we need to make our own conscious decision to accept that gift. And may we do that today. And if there's anybody here today, Father, who needs to make that step, may they have the courage and may your spirit prod them to let us know that they need to make that step. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, guys, have a good week.